the latest police state moves. Be patriotic or get a fine. Maybe go to jail. And people with crab mentality. The two are sort of connected. Not kidding. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. And welcome to Wednesday. If you are in the U.S., it's just Wednesday morning. Luna Amethyst, hello there. Hi, hi. Good to see you along for the ride here. Haven't uh, haven't seen you in a while. Nice to have you along back again. Uh, yeah, we got all that uh, coming up tonight. Uh, just some unbelievably ridiculous, stupid, crazy-ass news. Uh, some of it's from Malaysia, but it relates, especially you guys in the U.S., with all that bullcrap from the FBI and Trump and all that other junk that's going on. We don't concentrate a lot on that stuff on this show because there's a thousand other shows out there that do that. And if you want to see about that stuff, I couldn't encourage you more to go see one of the best places for the truth. I know you. he is a conservative. He's a Christian conservative, but he is a truthful guy. And he brings the receipts. And I'm talking about Dan Bongino. I'm a big fan. I never miss a show. And you'll find him on Rumble. Uh, just look for Dan Bongino. And I cannot encourage you enough to watch Dan's show every day. Uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. You will be educated in ways you cannot imagine. Great, great show. And I'm a ardent fan. And a, I never, never miss a show. I'm... Part of my morning routine is listening into a dance show. And also part of my morning routine is dealing with this little annoying girl. Miko update. Yeah, Miko update. Uh, she's great. She finished her dinner all by herself tonight. Yay. Actually managed to, uh, to do that. As a matter of fact... If I'm not mistaken, yes, I do have it. Here we go. Aw. Here is an actual video of Miko eating her food, and I'm not in the picture. You see that? There's all my Japanese memorabilia and antiques and my katana and my little tea set up here and things and my banner from the temple. And, uh, yeah, that's her her grazing uh, kibbles, and this is her wet food that we give her twice a day. And she's actually eating, and I'm not there feeding her. So, yay. Amazing. She can do it. <laughs> uh, that's our uh, <laughs> that's our Miko update for tonight. Uh, she's, she's doing very well. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay, here, this one hit the headlines today. This is just the dumbest freaking thing I've seen in my, well, not the dumbest thing. But it's right up there. She's so cute. Thank you, Luna. She is indeed. Anyway, I've told you before, and we've told you about the stupidity about uh, the Crack House Comedy Club and this open mic night in which uh, this loser got up uh, and embarrassed herself and everyone else by doing a routine that wasn't funny and was very insulting. And uh, it was just... The whole purpose was to try and get her name in the papers. We've never mentioned uh, her name or her partner's name. We never will uh, because that's all they're interested in is the publicity. And now thanks to these two losers, and I mean capital L idiot losers, uh, DBKL uh, has canceled the TTDI Comedy Club's business license 
and they have blacklisted its owner for life in KL. Riesel Van Giesel cannot register any business in KL, even if he uses another name, another company. This is beyond the pale. This is beyond disgusting and stupid. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's a police state. That's all it is. All they're trying to do is intimidate you, get you to shut up, get you to sit down in the corner. Um, they've canceled the business license. Uh, basically, DBKL, if you don't live in Malaysia, is, is City Hall in KL, Kuala Lumpur, capital city. Um, the decision was made July 29th during a meeting where DBKL agreed to cancel the comedy club's license with, with effect from July 30th. Uh, Federal Territory's Deputy Minister Blah Blah said uh, the club's owner has also been blacklisted for life from registering for a business license in KL. So not only did they go to the ridiculous stupidity of canceling the business license, but they went and overstepped their bounds, which they'd already done, by blacklisting Riesel for light. This is, this is, do you realize how insane this is? And no one dares say anything. Just sit there like good little boys and girls because daddy said you have to. Such a daddy's complex in this country. Cannot register any commercial activity in Kuala Lumpur, even though it uses a different name and different company. And uh, this, uh, do, do not put that picture on the screen of this loser. Uh, according to this guy, DBKL is monitoring several comedy clubs that are suspected of carrying out similar activities around the capital. What, like doing stand-up comedy? Sorry, wasn't aware that was a crime. Any entertainment license we issue for business owners must comply with rules and regulations, however far-reaching and ridiculous they may be. I added that part. Who Those who violate the licensing conditions will not be spared from strict action, however stupid it may be. I added that part. It's just, what can you say? Back in July, they slapped the comedy club with a temporary suspension order. A woman removed her headscarf and baju karong during an open mic session um, and allegedly insulted Islam. Uh, they've lodged a police report against the loser woman and uh, and now this. It's just... It's unbelievable the state we've gotten to, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's on a par with, but it's like when the FBI goes to Mar-a-Lago and conducts an illegal search and seizure raid. If you know what I mean, if you know the details, you know what I'm talking about. This is just stupidity on steroids. Unbelievable. And this guy still has a court case. He's been charged. Yeah. Well, did I show? Oh, you know what? I don't think I have the picture. Do I? Let me see if I do. Let me see if I can call it up. Uh, hang on a second. I wanted to show you how patriotic I am. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Oh, oh, oh. First of all, before I do that, let me show you this. I just posted this. 
This is Ben Franklin because of what he said. Whoever would, uh, now listen to this related to our previous story. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech. Benjamin Franklin. Yeah? Hmm? Did I tell you? All right. Uh, Let's see. Where is it? Ah, here we go. Okay, check this out. This is Istana Sheldon. Well, it's my house, actually. But, uh, yeah, that's the, uh, well, way up at the top. It's hard to see, but it's actually a big Malaysian flag over here. And uh, hang on. There we go. Okay, right here. This is actually quite a large, but it's way in the background. And then I've got these two uh, flag representational banner things on the front. Yes, that's my Perdana. (laughs) And uh, and that's my house. Uh, But anyway... So I've got my house all decked out because this is Murdica month. Our uh, independence um, is uh, coming up, Murdica Day, which is uh, at the end of the month. And uh, so traditionally, everybody flies flags and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, there you go. But did you know, boy, talk about a police state. Did you know that if you don't fly the flag, you can be fined? I'm not kidding. This from says.com links in our show notes tonight. In Kwantan, which is one of the states in Malaysia, hmm, authorities are warning local businesses either fly the Jalur Gamilang or pay a fine. For those of you who don't live in Malaysia, Jalur Gamilang means our national flag. Many businesses have not put up the national flag at their premises to celebrate Independence Day. Uh, After two weeks of entering National Month, which is August, and uh, they announced businesses that do not fly the flag will be fined beginning August 18th. In a Facebook post, the council reminds businesses to comply. It's It's an actual regulation since it's part of the premises license requirements. Here we go again. It added that all Kwantan business owners must ensure that flags flown must also be not torn or frayed. They attached photos of premises in Kwantan that have not yet put up the national flags in their Facebook post. They actually doxed these people by putting their businesses' pictures up there. And um, this was part of a campaign of Fly the Jalur Gamilang campaign, which has yet to receive an encouraging response from local business premises. Uh, So, yeah, many businesses and offices yet to decorate their premises with a national flag, and uh, only a few buildings in KL can be seen flying the national flag, including government offices, schools, hospitals, roads, and public parks. Uh, Participation from the private sector is still upsetting so uh there you go yes it's actually a it's a, it's against regulations and you can be fined if you don't fly the flag i've said it before i'll say it again patriotism comes from right here i am pointing to my heart that is where patriotism comes from not a law or a regulation on a book If you have to have a regulation or a law to make people patriotic, it ain't real. And they ain't patriotic. 
Patriotism comes from your heart. That's the only place it comes from. And you cannot regulate and you cannot fine people into being patriotic. You can only coerce them. It does no good and you ain't helping. It's fake. Those flags are up there simply because people don't want to pay a fine, not because they're patriotic. And frankly, I'll take three or four flags on businesses from people who really are patriots, who really have a love for this country, and who are proud of this country, and who fly that flag because of what it stands for. Three or four people like that I'll take over an entire row of shop lots covered in national flags, and not one of those people gives a crap about the flag or the country. You cannot regulate patriotism. It doesn't work that way. While we're on the subject, I might add the same goes true for religion. You can't regulate religion. It doesn't work that way. It comes from here. Okay? Okay. Now, that's been said. Why am I whispering? I sound like Joe Biden. I sound like creepy Joe Biden. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We included the word crab in our title tonight. And there's a reason for that. And it kind of relates to what we've been talking about with flags and comedy clubs and it has to do with a mentality that I think probably relates more to Singaporeans than Malaysians. But it has to do a lot with a lot of different company, uh, countries' uh, population. It's called crab mentality. Have you ever heard of it before? I had never heard of it until today. I saw this from Facts. Facts by Gruff is a weird site. You click on their links and you get sent to this huge advertising-filled garbage clickbait junk. I put the link in our show notes. It'll take you directly to the picture. But you've been warned, if you go over to their Instagram or their regular uh, link pages at Gruff, mm, trust me, be prepared for an ad fest. Uh, what was that? Oh, Sandra Lee has liked the stream. Thank you, Sandra Lee. <laughs> Good to have you along for the ride. Thanks, Sandra. All right, crab mentality. Do you know what that is? This is what it is. This is the weirdest thing. It's a line of thinking which can best be described as, if I can't have it, neither can you. You know what I mean? If I'm not allowed to do something, then you shouldn't be allowed to do it either. If I can't have something, you shouldn't have it either. It's named crab mentality because, and this is true, when a bunch of crabs are trapped in a bucket and one is trying to escape, the others will grab it and pull it back down and not let it escape. Serious as a heart attack. This is absolute science here. It's called crab mentality. And how many of us almost daily run into these kind of people. They exist everywhere, in every country. Apparently, when they were adding all the different types of people, they sprinkled a little too much in Singapore and Malaysia. But 
crab mentality. If I can't have it, you shouldn't have it either. And crabs trapped in a bucket, one trying to get out, the crabs will actually reach up, grab that escaping crab and pull him back down into the bucket. If I can't have it, you can't have it either. Man, is that weird or what? It's a fact. It exists and it's freaky. Oh, man. The stuff we find to put on this show, I swear, you will not find this anywhere else. We don't do a whole lot of controversy. We don't do a whole lot of heavy-duty political crap and all that garbage. Occasionally, like the beginning of today's show. But we do find the weird stuff, and we share that with you, because that's what we do. Did you know you glow? Do I look like I'm glowing? Do I have a certain glow? Yeah. No, I have too many wrinkles to glow. But we do glow. We really do. No, seriously. Humans glow. We just can't see it. The human body emits a visible light known as human bioluminescence. However, it is so dim, our eyes cannot see it. A team of Japanese scientists studied this back in 2009 and found that participants glowed throughout the day, with the brightest spots appearing around the forehead, the neck, and the cheeks in the late afternoon. The dimmest bioluminescence was recorded at night. How strange. This, uh, it's, this is not a real picture of people's bioluminescence, but you actually have bioluminescence. You know, like glowworms and some of those deep water fish and things. You've seen it on the Nat Geo specials and stuff where, or Discovery Channel where you've got, uh, you know, animals that glow. We also glow. It's just that it's so dim, you can't see it, but it is there. Another wacky, weird fact for you. I got a ton of them. I got a ton of them. <laughs> Telling you. Stick with me. All right. So I am, <laughs> I am uh, laying in bed last night. And the way our bed is arranged, it's in a corner against a wall. I think it's facing the right way for feng shui. But the aircon is to the side of the bed. And down over the dresser off the foot of the bed is a ceiling fan. That ceiling fan, I just thought of this. And what, what I thought of it last night, and then this meme comes up in my news feed. The, the way things work out sometimes, I swear. This is a meme of... Uh, the guy from the Shawshank Redemption with the line, I'm tired, boss. And the headline says, that fan in the corner of my room hasn't been turned off in three years. The weirdest thing is that that's exactly the thought I had last night. I know. I'm laying in bed. I got a thousand other things I could be thinking of. And what am I thinking of? I'm looking down at the ceiling fan spinning. And realizing that fan, other than when we had a power outage, has never been turned off. 
I think once maybe because we cleaned it. I know. But that fan runs 24-7, 365, round the clock, and never shuts off. No big revelation about it. It's still running fine. Uh, We've lived in this house for three, maybe four years now. And at least since we've been here, that fan's never stopped, except from a power outage. So, yeah. Can you imagine how tired that fan must be? All right. We got uh, we got one more, and it's a really cute, weird one, but I thought, you know, what the hell? We'll share it anyway. Um, you know the song or the poem is actually originally a poem that likely... I'm not sure about Malaysia, but I know in the U.S., at least in my day, uh, moms would often sing it to their children as a bedtime lullaby. It's Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Very few people, I would guess, on the planet don't know Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. But all you likely know of it is the first part. There's more. I never knew this until today when I found this. There is uh, a whole short poem that goes along with what we know as Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And I found it and I thought I would share it with you. The link is in our show notes. If you'd like to check it out, maybe share it yourself. It's just a small little picture. Here it is. But take a look. It's a whole poem. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. When the blazing sun is gone, when he nothing shines upon, then you show your little light, twinkle, twinkle, all the night. Then the traveler in the dark thanks you, for your little spark. He could not tell which way to go if you did not twinkle so. In the dark blue sky you keep and often through my curtains peep for you never shut your eye till the sun is in the sky. That's the whole poem of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I actually do have a memory, 60-plus years ago, of my mom singing. Because there's a melody, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are up above the... You know, you've heard it before. You don't need to hear me sing it. Anyway, I I honestly can close my eyes and remember my mom singing that to me. Mom, I know you listen to our podcast, so... Thank you. I love you. <laughs> I and I, yes, I really do remember you. Uh, you singing that that poem to me. <laughs> All right, it's time to move on to our uh, to our little book here. Speaking of poetry and books, and uh, we do classic books on this show. If you didn't know that already, in case you maybe just found us, uh, we've done. Tons of them. They come from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. They're all public domain. They're free. You can go over there yourself, gutenberg.org. 
check it out. We just have a uh, chapter and a half or so to go on Sherlock Holmes. We've been reading through the adventures of Sherlock Holmes a chapter at a time. And um, when we're done, we'll move on to another book. We've done so many of them. And if you'd like to suggest what book we read next, go to Gutenberg.org. Check out the offerings over there. There's hundreds of them. And send us an email. Show at jsheldon.com is our email address. I read and answer all your emails. Show, S-H-O-W, at jsheldon.com. You can make a suggestion for what book you'd like to uh, have us read next. In fact, Sherlock Holmes was suggested by a a, a viewer, and uh, that's why we picked it, because it was cool. We've had several of our books that we've done uh, been suggested by folks. So as we uh, pop up the cover of the book here, we'll pop over to our latest adventure, which is this rather strange uh, bachelor story whose wife, new bride, disappeared the morning of the wedding breakfast. And uh, Lord Robert St. Simon had said he was coming at four, and just a few minutes after four, that's exactly where he arrived, at Baker Street. Lord Robert St. Simon, announced our page boy. Throwing open the door, a gentleman entered with a pleasant, cultured face, high nose, pale, something perhaps of petulance about the mouth, and with a steady, well-opened eye of a man whose pleasant lot it had ever been to command and to be obeyed. His manner was brisk, and yet his general appearance gave an undue impression of age, for he had a slight forward stoop and little bend of the knees as he walked. His hair, too, as he swept off his very curly-brimmed hat, was frizzled around the edges and thin upon the top. As to his dress, it was careful to the verge of foppishness, with high collar, black frock coat, white waistcoat, yellow gloves, patent leather shoes, and light-colored gaiters. He advanced slowly into the room, turned his head from left to right, swinging in his right hand the cord which held his golden eyeglasses. "'Good day, Lord St. Simon,' said Holmes, rising and bowing. "'Pray, take the basket chair. This is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. Draw up a little to the fire, and we shall talk this matter over.' "'A most painful matter to me, as you can most readily imagine, Mr. Holmes.' I've been cut to the quick. I understand that you have already managed several delicate cases of this sort, uh, sir, so I presume that they were hardly from the same class of society. Uh, No, I am descending. I beg pardon. Uh, My latest client was the... uh, a king. The king of Scandinavia. What? Had he lost his wife? Uh, "'You can understand,' said Holmes, suavely, "'that I extend to the affairs of my other clients "'the same secrecy secrecy which I uh, promised to you in yours.' "'Of course. Very right. Very right. "'I am sure I beg your pardon. "'As to my own case, I'm ready to give you any information "'which may assist you in forming an opinion. Uh, "'Thank you. I've already learned all that is in the public prints. Nothing more. I presume I may take it as correct this article, for example, as to the disappearance of the bride? Lord St. Simon glanced over it. Yes, it is correct, as far as it goes. But it needs a great deal of supplementing before anyone could offer an opinion. 
I think I may arrive at my facts most directly by questioning you. Pray do so. When did you first meet Miss Hattie Duran? In San Francisco, a year ago. You were traveling in the States? Yes. Did you become engaged then? No. But you were on friendly footing? I was amused by her society, and she could see that I was amused. Her father is very rich. He is said to be the richest man on the Pacific Slope. And how did he make his money? In mining. He had nothing a few years ago, and then he struck gold, invested it, and came up by leaps and bounds. Now, what is your own impression as to the young lady's, your wife's, character? The nobleman swung his glasses a little faster and stared down into the fire. You see, Mr. Holmes, said he, my wife was twenty before her father became a rich man. During that time she ran free in a mining camp and wandered through woods or mountains so that her education has come from nature rather than from the schoolmaster. She is what we call in England a tomboy, with a strong nature, wild and free, unfettered by any sort of traditions. She's impetuous, volcanic, I was about to say. She's swift in making up her mind, and fearless in carrying out her resolutions. On the other hand, I would not have given her the name which I have the honor to bear, he gave a stately little cough, had I not thought her to be, at bottom, a noble woman. I believe she is capable of heroic self-sacrifice, and that anything dishonorable would be repugnant to her. Have you her photograph? I brought this with me. He opened a locket and showed us the full face of a lovely woman. It was not a photograph, but an ivory miniature, and the artist had brought out the full effect of the lustrous black hair, large dark eyes, and the exquisite mouth. Holm gazed long and earnestly at it. Then he closed the locket and handed it back to Lord St. Simon. The young lady came to London, then, and you renewed your acquaintance? Uh, yes, her father brought her over for this last London session. I met her several times, became engaged to her, and have now married her. She brought, I understand, a considerable dowry. A fair dowry, not more than is usual in my family. And this, of course, remains to you, since the marriage is a fait accompli. I really have made no inquiries on the subject. Oh, very naturally not. Did you see Miss Doran on the day before the wedding? Yes. Was she in good spirits? Never better. She kept talking of what we should do in our future lives. Indeed. That is very interesting. And on the morning of the wedding? She was as bright as possible, at least until after the ceremony. Did you observe any change in her then? Well, to tell you the truth, I saw the first signs that I had ever seen that her temper was just a little sharp. The incident, however, was too trivial to relate and can have no possible bearing on the case. Pray let us have it for all that. Oh, it's childish. She dropped her bouquet as she went towards the vestry. 
She was passing the front pew at the time, and it fell over into the pew. There was a moment's delay, but the gentleman in the pew handed it up to her again, and it did not appear to be the worse for the fall. Yet, when I spoke to her of the matter, she answered me abruptly, and in the carriage on our way home she seemed absurdly agitated over this trifling cause. Indeed, you say there was a gentleman in the pew, some of the general public were present then? Oh, yes, it's impossible to exclude them when the church is open. Uh, this gentleman was not one of your wife's friends? Oh, no, I call him a gentleman by courtesy, but he was quite a common-looking person. I hardly noticed his appearance, but I really think that we are wandering far from the point. Lady St. Simon then returned to the wedding in a less cheerful frame of mind than she'd gone to it. What did she do on re-entering her father's house? I saw her in conversation with the maid. And who is her maid? Alice is her name. She's an American. Came from California with her. A confidential servant? A little too much so. It seemed to me that her mistress allowed her to take great liberties. Still, of course, in America, they look upon these things in a different way. And how long did she speak to this Alice? Oh, only a few minutes. I had something else to think of. You didn't overhear what they said? Lady St. Simon said something about jumping a claim. She was accustomed to the use of slang of this kind. I have no idea what she meant. Lady St. Simon said something about jumping a claim. American slang is very expressive sometimes, and what did your wife do when she finished speaking to her maid? She walked into the breakfast room. On your arm? No, alone. She was very independent in little matters like that. And then after we had sat down for ten minutes or so, she rose hurriedly, muttered some words of apology, and left the room. And she never came back. But this maid, Alice, as I understand, deposes that she went to her room, covered her bride's dress with a long ulster, put on a bonnet, and went out. Quite so. And she was afterwards seen walking in Hyde Park in company with Flora Miller, a woman who is now in custody, and who had already made a disturbance at Mr. Duran's house that morning. Ah, yes. I should like a few particulars as to this young lady, and your relations to her. Lord St. Simon shrugged his shoulders, raised his eyebrows. We've been on friendly footing for some years, I may say on a very friendly footing. She used to be at the Allegro. I have not treated her ungenerously, and she has no just cause of complaint against me. But you know what women are, Mr. Holmes. Flora was a dear little thing, but exceedingly hot-headed and devotedly attached to me. She wrote me dreadful letters that she heard that I was about to be married, and to tell the truth, the reason why I had the marriage celebrated so quietly was I feared lest there might be scandal in the church. She came to Miss Doran's door just as we returned, and she endeavored to push her way in, uttering, uttering very abusive expressions toward my wife, and even threatening her. 
but I'd foreseen the possibility of something of this sort, and I had two police fellows there in private clothes, who soon pushed her out again. She was quiet when she saw there was no good in making a row. Did your wife hear all this? No, thank goodness she did not. And she was seen walking with this woman afterwards? Yes, that is what Mr. Lestrade of Scotland Yard looks upon so seriously. It is thought that Flora decoyed my wife out and laid some terrible trap for her. Well, it is a possible supposition. You think so, too? I did not say a probable one. But you do not yourself look upon this as likely? I do not think Flora would hurt a fly. Still, jealousy is a strange transformer of characters. Pray, what is your own theory as to what took place? Well, really, I came to seek a theory, not to propose one, but I've given you all the facts. Since you ask me, however, I may say that it's occurred to me as possible that the excitement of this affair, the consciousness that she made so immense a social stride, had the effect of causing some little nervous disturbance in my wife. In short, that she'd become suddenly deranged? Well, really, when I consider that she has turned her back, I will not say upon me, but upon so much that many have aspired to without success, I can hardly explain it in any other fashion. Well, certainly that is also a conceivable hypothesis said Holmes, smiling. And now, Lord Simon, I think I have nearly all my data. May I ask whether you were seated at the breakfast table so that you could see out of the window? We could see the other side of the road and the park. Quite so. Then I do not think that I need to detain you any longer. I shall communicate with you. Should you be fortunate enough to solve this problem, said our client, rising, Oh, I have solved it. Huh? What was that? I say that I have solved it. Oh, where, then, is my wife? That is a detail which I shall speedily supply. And that's where we're going to end it for tonight. <laughs> okay. If you say so, Holmes, I'm telling you. These adventures just get weirder and weirder as we go. <laughs> we'll continue this, and I think we'll probably close out this uh, chapter and move on to what I believe is our final chapter in The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes coming up on Saturday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time, which is when we will see you again. That's the Jay Sheldon Show for this Wednesday. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening into our podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. And if you are so inclined, please help out the show by going to our link, top link in our show notes, patreon.com slash jsheldon, and do what you can over there. Thank you so much for helping to support the show. I'll see you again Saturday. Good night, folks. <laughs>